1: Welcome back, queens. We have Stephanie Allen.
0: She goes by Steph. Has been practicing physical therapist since 2014. Has been at Walston. I know they hate when you do that. Physical therapy and wellness for the past four years. She specializes in and absolutely loves ACL Rehab and all its shapes and forms and has recently started her own virtual coaching business, ACL Resolve, specifically for individuals who are navigating this injury. Steph is also the co-founder of CalU, a mentorship and continuing education platform for students and new graduates with the... Musculoskeletal rehab realm stuff is a is passionate about continued learning and demanding a higher standard of care in the musculoskeletal rehab industry. All right, I'm gonna let her take it from here because those you were two say that two twice. hard words and
1: I nailed it. Muscular, musculoskeletal. musculoskeletal. Good for you. Well, welcome Stephanie. <laughs> Thanks for having us. For being on with us.
2: I appreciate it. And don't worry, there's. We've we stopped debating how to say Kalu. I say Kalu, but uh, our audience mixes, so we're we take all forms. Right. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thank you for being inclusive.
1: <laughs> Steph, tell us what drew you into physical therapy in the first place.
2: Yeah, it's actually it's funny because most of my life that I can remember, you know, like being asked hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? We're asked that from probably too young an age. But I always wanted to be some sort of doctor, except for a little period of time where I wanted to go to culinary school. I don't know what was going on there. (laughs) And (laughs) for a long time, I wanted to be a vet. For a little while, I wanted to be an obstetrician. And then I wanted to be a heart surgeon. So in some way, shape, or form, I always probably wanted to do something clinical but then it's not a crazy story how it got confirmed because I did actually tear my ACL in high school. Mm-hmm. And when I was going through the rehab process, I just, you know, not that I loved it. Cause it's hard <laughs> for ACL rehab, but it was something where I had applied to a couple of schools already for PT just as kind of a, an alternative cause I applied to pre-med for the rest and, um, when I was going through that, I really remember thinking to myself, I could see myself doing this definitely more than just a regular, you know, either physician or surgeon or whatever, because I realized that we actually, if we play our cards, right, we can spend time with patients. We can be active. I, I wouldn't be sitting at a desk or doing too much standing still during the day. So Although it's not super dramatic and and a lot of people that go into PT end up doing so after an injury themselves, that was that was my particular injury.
0: So, I love your tagline, especially being a member of the unfortunate ACL club mm-hmm. that you say I help ACLers turn their heartbreak story into an epic success story. Mm-hmm. So tell us about this. Like, how do you help somebody navigate when they come in with that initial injury? They're looking at surgery, they're trying to get back. How do you, how do you turn that into the epic success?
2: Yeah. I honestly think that this plays a little bit to my bias of the, that. I think way more than what we give it credit for the psychological part of this injury has a much bigger impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so where heartbreak even came into like the vocabulary of what I was trying to describe was that it really is like when I thought back to my injury and what I had heard from so many people is literally like you're grieving it's like honestly uh some people it's you lose identity other people it's their plans get all screwed up because they wanted to play in college some people it's family related. I, and and then there's a ton of stories, but it does kind of, it came back to me like that, you know, at least for a little while, you're kind of, you're kind of heartbroken, you're kind of grieving. And that seems to be a pretty constant thing across most people who, who have this injury because the process is so long afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's how I even kind of got to that part. And then I would say as far as turning it into a success story, I landed more on that because everybody's what success looks like for everybody is a little bit different. And so I didn't necessarily want to pigeonhole it into something like, you know, exactly return to sport or any one thing specifically, because sometimes what I've learned is that some people's success story is literally just not thinking about their knee every day. And so as far as being able to, at this point in my career have seen, I think enough different things where I'm able to tell when maybe that's what somebody needs a little bit more, even than they need like the, you know, I'll do the exercise and the programming all day. That's my, that's my bread and butter. But sometimes being able to understand when somebody might need a little bit of an, of extra support or help figuring out, okay, why are you so fearful with this? Let's dig into that. Let's, you know, things that generally aren't resetting especially Mm -hmm. in PT. And so I feel like that's kind of the piece that I'm able to bring to the table for a lot of people that really do help them come to whatever success means for them.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, It's almost like recovery coaching because I can – I remember when I tore mine, my lead physical therapist was also a former collegiate basketball player. She would played at Drake. She had tore her ACL. So I was going to be a sophomore in high school and just remember being like, okay, I'm going to be okay. Like mm-hmm. she had the same thing. She got to live out her dreams. And she would be like, today's going to hurt. Like, Mm -hmm. we're going to do some hard stuff, but this is why and would explain it. And this is what we need to see from. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you do your therapy like you're supposed to. And so almost not only she was, was she the physical therapist, but then she was like my mentor, like somebody to look up to that I trusted that knew what she was talking about. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, Stephanie, I'd like to ask a little bit more about the Level Up initiative. Can you tell the listeners a bit more about this?
2: Yeah. So I know in the in the bio it mentions Calu. So Level Up was originally its own entity started by my fiancé and I and our two co-founders, Frank and Cedric, and it was originally designed um, as a free mentorship for students and new grads in the clinical space and coaching space, so not just physical therapists, but we've had chiropractic students, massage therapists, strength coaches, occupational therapists. So it really did kind of, again, primarily PT, but that's, that's originally how it started with the big audacious goal of transforming the people that transform healthcare Mm -hmm. (laughs) was kind of our uh, original mission. And that still stands. We ended up in the last year merging with our colleagues at clinical athletes. So hence where CA and LEU come from. And yeah, so (laughs) there's been some, some moving parts and we're, we're figuring that out, but some things are going through a little bit of change, but we just felt like we could make a bigger, a bigger impact together. Now there's different things that we offer. We have a Facebook group where there's a lot of discussions that go on journal clubs, student calls, all of that right now is, is totally free. And we've got some other things in the work, works that's going to be announced soon for next year, but I am not at liberty to give too many details right now. Uh,
0: we'll have you on for the next interview. On, <laughs> I like on the, the secrets. <laughs> so, I might get in trouble. <laughs> I know on social media you're really vocal about a lot of, like, the myths that are out there. Can you kind of dispel some of the top myths that when it comes to ACL tears and rehab and recovery long term?
2: Oh yeah. Well, how much time do we have? Um, we'll <laughs> uh, give you the four. But but, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think the the biggest for me are probably initial timelines. So, I think they get thrown around a lot and there's definitely some misconceptions/maybe some miseducation, but based on what we know best now, I really don't feel comfortable sending anyone back before nine months. Mm. And I know that in the past and under special circumstances, people will return prior to that. But I think that sometimes what people get confused by when they're told that is that maybe someone will start to participate in a modified way in practice before nine months, which is totally fine if they demonstrate what they need to demonstrate strength wise and, and everything else. But a full like unrestricted return to play I don't actually care if you're like an NBA athlete or, or a professional athlete. There's, there's more things that need to happen, including the mental side of things mm-hmm. before you can return. And I just don't think that, that five or six months is enough time. And, you know, the research will, will back me up on that. But uh, that's one big one. Cause I feel like that's people's first question. A lot of times, especially younger athletes will, well, when can I play again? And it's mm-hmm. hard, hard to see, the long game especially for the younger athletes which I totally understand but that's something I try to be super super clear about with people I don't know have you guys ever when did you go back
0: yeah oh see my uncle also owned the physical and he was like you full year like you get to start stuff yeah yeah. the Don the lovely Don Joy brace Mm
2: -hmm. and but (laughs) you better
0: expect a full year before there's no restrictions and but I'm telling you here today, knock on wood, never yep. had an issue since. Mm-hmm. So to me, it was worth it, even though I wasn't very happy with him at the time.
1: I'm, I'm just thinking <laughs> yeah. about the portrayal of injury now and, of course, how medicine has changed. But the expectation of a young athlete saying, well, I saw this guy and he came back after, again, yeah. in three
0: months. Like, what? yeah,
1: the perception of it coming, athletes coming back quicker because the medicine is better. And then... That expectation going into an injury is not necessarily correct, but that's how a lot of it's portrayed. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: yeah. So. I see it today, and I, I think I've even asked her, like, how in the heck are they coming back that early? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean yeah. they're healthy yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: I. there's definitely going to be, there's definitely a shift in general from surgical techniques right now, too, mm-hmm. and they're trying to... Come up with. I think the next biggest goal is they're trying to figure out repair versus reconstruction. Meaning they're mm-hmm. they're trying to use part of, you know, as long as there's enough residual tissue. Basically, they're trying to figure out a way to use parts of the native ACL, like the original one that was torn, you know, with scaffolding, like they put like you know actual hardware in there that's that's safer inside the joint with different growth factors and PRP and and different things like that. And there's definitely like, they're going to figure it out because that's how medicine happens. And I'm sure it's going to change the game in some way, shape or form. But the piece that I hope isn't lost in the shuffle and that the, the neurological side of the, the people studying this as well are also going to advocate for coming up with something that's going to remain in the rehab or, or considered as, medicine gets better for a lot of the, the other changes that happen besides physical. So I know that probably sounds weird to some people, but there's a, for, for quick reference, like one of the things that happens after you tear your ACL is your body starts to utilize vision a lot more for like balance and movement than it did Mm -hmm. prior because it's not getting what's called like proprioception or feedback from Mm -hmm. the joint about where you are in space. So that's like one thing. And there's other, there's a lot of different things like brain connection wise that, that happened that some really good people are, are studying right now. But, um, it just, I don't know. I guess that's the piece for me that as, as medicine advances, cause we know it will, I just hope the like human and brain and psychological side does, doesn't get lost.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think that goes away either because I'm back in the old school where you had to open up. So like the whole left side of my knee, I can't feel it's still numb. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm testing it out. <laughs> so like, if I ever step funny, I still get that gut instinct reaction, like I just tore it because I can't, wow. I can't feel right in uh-huh. there. So
1: I'm sorry to yeah. admit this, but don't tell anybody. Has have any you guys been watching The Bachelorette? I'm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <On television>? yeah, <laughs> yeah you. Well, <laughs> last night there is a there's a guy on there and. It's a big, like, they're basketball players. So he was a D1 basketball player. And when he was seven, I just love the story because he actually talked about it very well. He broke his leg when he was seven. That let his foot be more prone to injury. So when he was in college basketball, he broke his metatarsal, his fifth metatarsal, had to have surgery. Mm -hmm. The doctor put a screw that was too big in during surgery, which led to... The splitting of the bone entirely and led to several surgeries Uh and a plate in his foot. He was able to return to basketball physically, but he opened up about how his brain wasn't ready. He was too anxious. Mm. He ended up leaving the sport because of that, but then also struggled with anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts after leaving the injury. Which says so much of like, okay, the rehab, important, but the mental health. Anyway, I loved it because it was an athlete on entertainment, talking yeah. about suicidal thoughts, anxiety, identity, Authentic, and just yeah. really being like, I was not in the headspace to go back after all of that, to perform at a division one level. Very intense moment on The Bachelorette. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds oh, like geez. the most intense well, I, episode
2: yet. <laughs> I love that it's coming from a a strong male figure too. Yes. It's, it's not as, I think sometimes that you know, unfortunately, the way society is, I think sometimes that's listened to a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So that's that's great. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, Steph, you sure are doing really, really important work.
2: We love it. And we'll be sure to
0: link to your social media. A really but, good resource. but Yeah. And yeah. mm-hmm. between oh. all this, ACLR
1: club support. How do you live out the this special thing that's coming up that we oh, can yeah, talk
0: yeah, about? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm going to have to pester <laughs> after this like, can't you tell me? Come on. I won't tell right anybody. I be here. <laughs> here on this podcast. Um, oh, yeah. We could do your grand announcement. Just kidding. All right. right, Kara and I are obviously having trouble staying focused, so – <laughs> How do you balance performance, health, intellect and time for self and we should add for her planning a wedding. Oh wow. Yeah. She said
2: <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Oh man. The planning the wedding is so gets pushed to the side sure. a lot. So. But we're lucky. We've got we've got all all the vendors. Now it's just the little stuff. So mm-hmm. So yes, but yeah, I think I'm notoriously normally not good at the the probably time for self piece. I think that's something over the last few years that, I mean, you know, hence how I, how I ended up developing a relationship with you, Becca, was part of my, uh, <laughs> my like, okay, I have to focus on me a little bit now. But I think the way it happens is actually having hard conversations with myself because we call it talking to yourself or not, but we all have internal dialogue. And I think that the biggest switch for me was that in that, yes, I do have fitness and health goals and career and educational goals and it's all really, really great. And then what ends up a lot of times getting pushed inside is the literally (laughs) like do nothing time. Mm -hmm. So I think the, the how really has mostly been over the last couple of years, just very much so like checking in with myself and, or, does this have to happen today? Do you <laughs> do you need to run today if you don't feel mm-hmm. great? And it seems really, really little, but that kind of stuff does, I think, compound. And then you, A, I mean, I know this is not part of this podcast, but I have history of eating disorder. So those type of, you have to do this very like organized, almost OCD type thoughts. Can definitely spill over into into other aspects of life. So, I think basically, if I were to really simplify it as much as I can, it would be actually just switching when I can, or or maybe redirecting or refocusing the the internal dialogue with myself.
0: Love it. And I think you do it some through your um, funny sarcasm on Instagram. Your recent one that I absolutely love was busy doesn't mean productive. A rocking horse keeps moving but never goes anywhere. Yeah, I like that. (laughs) Like that's that's somehow at times Uh, I feel like, oh, wait a minute. I have not done anything. (laughs)
2: Just move along. Yeah, it might look really, really well thought out. And honestly, a lot of that stuff is just like, maybe a podcast I listen to or like I thought I had and then I just share. Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: Love it. Uh-huh. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on and we'll be sure to put all the links and hopefully you'll get back with us when you have your big grandiose announcement. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, remember Don't us, forget li- the little people. people. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Will do. I, it, was, it was quite a pleasure, ladies. Uh, bye, Queens.
0: Life. Today's episode is brought to you by yours truly. I'm excited to announce the releasing of my book, Finding Your Sweet Spot in Sport, Avoiding Relative Energy Deficit in Sport, also known as RED-S, by optimizing your energy balance. Be sure to follow me on social media or go to my website,
1: www.beccamacomble.com. Bye, Queens. For additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fit for a Queen. Hashtag fit for a queen And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on fit for a queen Bye, queens.